Hello and welcome to the third episode of the Vavil UK EFL podcast. Today me, James and Adam will be discussing the latest from Leagues 1 and 2. James, what have we got coming up? With a decision imminent on the future of the 1920 League 1 season, we will be discussing the potential outcome of the vote and the sporting merit of using a points per game system to end the season. But before all that, we are delighted to be joined by Barrow AFC reporter and commentator for BBC Radio Cumbria, Adam Johnson. We'll be talking to Adam about all things Barrow, as well as getting his thoughts on the whole promotion relegation debate. As I've just mentioned before, this is our third EFL podcast. If you missed the other two, the episodes are available on Spotify, Acast and iTunes. Just search Vavil EFL podcast to find them. So Adam, thank you for joining us on today's show. First things first, how have you found the lockdown and what effect has it had on your role with the BBC? Uh, yeah, yeah, it's a pleasure to be here, gents. Thank you for having me. Um, regards to lockdown and the BBC, um, I've been doing little bits, just guest appearances on, on the odd show, just talking about what's going on with Barrow but other than that it's it's been it's been hard not having any um football to commentate on obviously I do it for Radio Cumbria commentating all the Barrow games but it is still a a degree of of freelance so obviously with no football to commentate on there's no paid work so it's been a bit of a blow losing out on that I'm fortunate to have a, a job on the side away from football so I have still been getting paid which is which is a good thing and it's, it's helped me get through. It's, it's a tough time for everyone, isn't it, really? And having no football makes it that that little bit harder. And um, you've obviously seen a lot of Barrow games this season. How have they gone from being a mid-table team to being title challengers? Uh, well, they're probably at the minute having overall the, the best season that they've had in, in over 50 years. You have to probably look back to uh, the old third division days. They won promotion into that league back in the 60s. And other than that, it's been pretty much non-league slog. Uh, they had a very slow start, seven points from the first nine games, but you, you could always see the potential that they had even during that tough start. They they were never dominated in games and it was just little lacks of concentration in both boxes that cost them. They, they picked up a massive win away at Aldershot on the, the 7th of September, which even in that game, it was following the similar pattern, 2-0 up, absolutely cruising. And then uh, a little moment towards the end of the game, 10 minutes ago, they concede. And then it was backs against the wall. They had a penalty saved in the, the last minute of the game and a, probably a last-ditch tackle from Matt Platt, which had Virgil van Dijk made that tackle. I think people had have been talking about it for months on end. It was that much of a, a massive moment. And, and from then on in, you know, having picked up seven points from the first nine, they only lost three games from the 7th of September to March 7th and, and picked up 63 points out of 28 games. And it's just, you could see the the shackles seem to come off them and, and they started playing with the the kind of freedom and, and kind of desire that, that has seen them dubbed Barcelona by not just the supporters, but but the uh, the, the press as well. And um, the conference this season, what's, what's the standard been like? I think, you know, people keep looking at it that the, there hasn't been as many points picked up by the by the sides at the, the top of the table. I think this is this was going to be the season where the most defeats, apparently, for the for whoever would have gone on to win the National League. So people are looking at it, probably not giving it credit. I think there's a lot of very, very good sides in this division. I mean, you only have to look at the top. You've got Harrogate, who have had a fantastic season just behind Barrow. Notts County, a, a massive club for that level of football in third. And 
and even another former league club in in Yeovil in, in fourth. I think there's a lot of very good sides there that really haven't. Everyone seems to have taken it in turns being being top of the table until Barrow went top in November, and they've just never you know turned back from it since. Obviously, Ian Ever it's his first job in football. He had a spell as caretaker manager at Chesterfield, but apart from that, it's his first permanent role. How important has he been to the to the turnaround really at Barrow? He's been absolutely unbelievable. Um, the, the way that he's, he's the way that he's conducted himself and the and the, the football that he's brought in and and everything else about him. He's not just looking at the first team in general. He's looking at the club as a whole. He's he's writing a code of conduct for for how everyone who's associated with Barrow AFC should operate, and that's from his first team players and his first team coaching staff all the way through to the youth teams, all the way through through to the people who were working behind the scenes at the club as well. And he's the one thing that he's done is he's bought, with with the help obviously from the board and everyone else, he, he's bought the whole town closer together to the club. When he took over, it was on the back of probably one of the worst seasons in a very long time. They stayed up simply because Woking couldn't get the job done themselves. And, and the place was absolutely awful. There was so much disharmony between the supporters and between the club. And, and Ian Everett has just come in and he's, he's completely changed it around and he's been an absolute breath of fresh air for the club. And you, you mentioned, obviously, that uh, you've been in the conference there for a number of years. How much sort of has the whole situation of being relegated in 1972 in such difficult circumstances, how, how much has that played on the minds of the players? Do you reckon that, that's been anything to do with sort of the, the way they've got themselves up and ready for this season or... or... Do you think that's at all, as it's gone into the close season and you've put a run together before Christmas, do you reckon that sort of fire in the heart of the fans has sort of brought it on at all? I think it's simply down to, even before the season started, Ian Everett has has spoken non-stop about this group of players have the capabilities to be promoted. And uh, when you you have a look at in in the past and, and the games that they've played, Ian Everett last season, they finished 10th in the table Everyone else was lording over it, saying what a fantastic season that was after you compared it to the season before where they, where they were almost relegated. And everyone was saying what a great season it was, except from Ian Ever. He just wasn't happy enough to settle for finishing 10th in the league. He's always said that he wanted more, he wanted promotion. He felt that they let themselves down last season and that this season had to be better. And, and they've just gone all the way from there. They've just grown from strength to strength. And the supporters have really bought into it. More the case of uh, the football that they're playing. Uh, there was a moment a few years ago under Paul Cox, they were in the top half of the league. They were challenging for promotion, but the crowds weren't coming because the football just wasn't it, it wasn't attracting them. The football that they're playing under Ian Everett now is what's really got the supporters involved. And I don't think it's played too much on the players' minds, the fact that the promotion back to the league for the first time since... 1972, but the support for the supporters themselves. I mean, the 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 town of Barrow has held what you could probably describe as a 48 year grudge uh, between the town and the, and the football league for the way that they got relegated out of the league. And I think now the belief has been, especially during the second half of the season, that that 48 year grudge was about to disappear because Barrow were on the way back. Adam, you, you talked about the 48-year grudge. Can you just go into the more detail for the listeners at home? What actually happened and what the effects were for Barrow? Yeah, well, it was a it was a tough period for the club. I mean, financially they were struggling, and and it led to a struggle on the pitch as well. One of the biggest problems 
that the club had was a decision that was made by the board at the time to try and raise revenue for the club because it was needed that much. They allowed the local Speedway team to actually move into Holker Street. And I'm sure you can all imagine the state of what the pitch will have looked like with a with a Speedway track going around it. So um, it, that didn't help things. And obviously the, the matter of a FA Cup giant killing from, from Hereford making them the, the nation's sweetheart, so to speak. So it, it was always going to be tough, but the grudge in itself is pretty much when Barrow were voted out of the league, they didn't actually finish bottom that season. They finished third from bottom in the table and Hereford, who went on to replace them, didn't even win their league. They were runners-up to Chelmsford City. So it was um, the, went to the voting table. The first round of votes was, was a tie. Normally you'd think surely that would mean that the club who currently holds the Football League status would retain it. Instead, it went to a revolt and three clubs decided to change their opinion and it, it left Barrow being voted out of the league. And as you can imagine, it's it's a real sore subject. It absolutely crippled the club as a whole. They, they lost a lot of support on the back of it. Um, probably what you could say, a generation of supporters disappeared simply because there was no Football League football there. A lot of the people saw that that was it, Barrow football were done and I mean the grudge is that bad that if, if you go into a pub in Barrow and, and mention the name Ronnie Radford you'd, you'd get probably quite a few um very angry looks at you but the way that it's gone now it's it's kind of strange isn't it that 48 years later they, they could be about to regain the football league status in a in a kind of similar way as, as, as how they lost it. I was going to say it must be, it, it must almost feel like poetic justice in a way that this this is the way that it's happened. This is the way that it's going to happen. Obviously, they've they've earned the right to be in contention, but it does very much seem like it's going to come down to a vote again. Well, it's 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 a chance, isn't it, for the for the current EFL board to to write what the people of Barrow feel is a is a forty eight year wrong, and and by putting them back into the league where many people believe they they should be. Everybody has been arguing about. Whether whether it's right or wrong to promote relegate teams, we'll be going into that a little bit more in in more detail later. But there are maybe arguments to suggest that Harrogate, for example, were in within touching distance of Barrow. They had Barrow to play. Do you think that Barrow deserve to be promoted with with as ma- with as many points to play for as there is? Is it, is it a fair method? Well, I think I think to me that I mean people have been saying so many times that um, they, they get caught, they'll get caught, they won't stay there, they won't stay there. They've been top for five months now. During that course of that five months, there's been teams that have have challenged. There's been teams that have come and and they've so quickly gone. We've seen off the likes of Bromley. Bromley were one of the main contenders. They've disappeared out of it. Yeovil were then the next main contender. They disappeared out of it. Not to count, you've revived slightly and. But even then, they're still 10 points behind Barrow. And then when you look at it, you've got what you've got coming there with, with Harrogate as well. And I, ju- I just think that they still had it in them. And people people keep saying about this game that was coming up against Harrogate. When the league was suspended, Barrow had three league games to play before it got to that game against Harrogate. Whereas Harrogate still had the FA Trophy. And I think they only had one or two games so you had a possibility that going into that game against Harrogate, Barrow could quite easily have been seven to ten points ahead. And suddenly that game for Harrogate becomes a must-win game. They, they cannot afford to drop points in it. So that kind of pressure can can play on mine. So to me, I mean, you look at where the league has stopped now, 
it's unfortunate that it stopped in this way, but Barrow have been top for that long and they, for me, they, they deserve it. The, whoever whoever would have been top at this stage of the season deserved deserve the, the right to, to go up. If Barrow were to go up, Adam, how do you think they'd fare in League Two? Well, I think they do quite well. I mean, they've got Ian Everett, he's, as a, as we've already said, he's, he's a very ambitious manager and he doesn't settle for average. Every time he comes around, he wants to improve. So you could guarantee that he'd improve the team. Uh, he, the way that they play football, I think that would help the, the brand of football that they have. And you only have to look at the League Two and the National League and over the, the course of the years, bar maybe Macclesfield this time round because down to the financial reasons for them, the clubs that have been promoted very rarely struggle. And with that in mind, and as I say, the football that they play and, and the way that Ian Ever is and how he, he doesn't settle for, for average or second best, I'd, I'd be confident that they'd hold their own and, and possibly even cause a few problems for some teams. I just wanted to ask you, do you think it's a bittersweet feeling for the fans that, you know, that after 48 years, like we've said, um, of being out of the league, they're finally on the way back. And for the first few months of the season, they might not even be able to go and see them. I think it is rather bittersweet. Yeah, I mean, I've had conversations with, with mates and the biggest thing that everyone's been talking about is that you wanted that everyone wants that moment, don't they? And especially 48 years down the line to have that chance to be in Holker Street, to, to see the team win the league outright, to see the team lift the trophy and be able to have that that great moment to look back on. And obviously that's that's one of the things that's been taken away. And and as you say, you're looking at possibly the first couple of months, three months, four months of the season, there might not even be any supporters allowed into Holker Street to actually see the game. So it is a bit... Um, bitter on, on that front but I think as I say it, it's a grudge that's been held for, for 48 years not having football league status at, at Holker Street I think not being able to attend the games as, as hard as it would be I think the, the fans would be able to look past that just for the fact of being able to to have that football league status back Adam with, with football not being played for the foreseeable future and with the revenue streams not what they once were especially before the pandemic. How do you think financially Barrow will fare after the pandemic? Do you think things will be the same? Will they be able to retain players that they've got now? I think I think for Barrow they're in a they're in a rather good situation with the the way that the the club's made up, the made the, the background of the board. Uh, there's four local businessmen that are all keen Barrow supporters and are all they own ninety percent. The other ten percent is owned by the supporters trust. Now, the supporters' trust during this pandemic especially have been absolutely amazing. They've been they've been holding so many different fundraisers, a virtual raffle, which has been generating on average around £2,000 a week for, for the club in itself. I mean, since they've got involved in the club, retaining, holding that stake in the club, they've raised themselves uh, £130,000, which they've invested into the club to not just buy that 10% stake, but then to retain it as well. So with that in mind, and obviously with being promoted in the Football League, you'd get that extra extra carrot of up to around a million pounds. I think they, they do okay. I mean, I, we're not in any means uh, struggling now financially. We're, we're holding our own. Obviously, the, the longer it goes on, the, there'll be a little little dents into, into what the club can, can raise revenue-wise. But... At the minute, as I say, they're looking rather well. They're looking probably better than than they've ever looked financially, and that's, you know, that's the massive achievement that the board and the 
the supporters group have, have done over the, the past two years. And just finally, Adam, um, there's been a lot of discussion in the last week or so. Obviously, League Two agreed a deal, um, and that was to keep Stevenage up and to have sort of there would obviously be a space for Barrow to replace Berry. Uh, that's looking like it's going to be rejected um, in favour of Stevenage being relegated and a team coming up. Um, how do you feel that the other promotion spot should be decided? Do you think that Harrogate in second place uh, with with a points cushion should be just promoted as second place? Or do you feel that a, a playoff sort of situation is the best way forward? Obviously, the, the playoffs in, in the National League are a little bit different to League 1 and 2 and the Championship in that there's six teams taking part. Um, how, how do you feel that should be decided? I think it's looking it could potentially be a bit of a restructured playoff um, kind of thing where you'd, you'd probably have a similar look to what the, the Football League do with just four teams with, with them trying to, if they do go down the playoff line. But but to me, I mean, I look at it, I, I don't think there is a way for the playoffs to happen. I, I mean, I'd love for them to happen. I think everybody who's in that top part of the table deserves that chance still of, of trying to get back into the Football League. But to me, I just look at it and I think to myself, the cost that it would be to to hold those games. I mean, you only have to look higher up the higher up the levels and the talk of how much it's it's costing for if league if league one wants to try and get the games on. So to me, financially, could a national league club be able to afford to to have that? You know, to to be able to put the money into to have those games. You've also got to look at squads are going to be completely different. You've already got teams of announced release lists. You've got teams that have already sent loan players that were key to them back to the parent clubs. And I just don't see how they can manage to get these playoff games on. So if they can't have the playoffs, then yeah, I think Harrogate, the same as Barrow, fully deserve that chance to to play in the Football League next season. And I mean, Neil Ardley himself, the Notts County manager, has already come out and, and held his hands up and said if if they're not able to have the playoffs, then promote Barrow and Harrogate, which, I mean, I don't think his supporters will agree with him, but, you know, full credit for him coming out, holding his hands up and saying that. Well, thank you so much for joining us in the first part of the show, Adam. You'll be sticking around for the um, the second part. So now, as we've been discussing, Barrow were voted out of the Football League back in 1972 and ironically now stand to be voted back in. I know all of us have strong views and possibly a vested interest in how the season is going to be decided. Um, Adam Doyle, I'll start with you. What are your thoughts on the prospects of ending the League One and League Two season with nine matches remaining on points per game? I think the points per game system is majorly flawed. And we see teams that are struggling at the bottom who invested in January like Tranmere. They've been known to invest in January to, to maintain the status or secure promotion like they've done in the past two seasons. And we get to a point where there's so many games to play, there's so many different outcomes that could be reached and they're not allowed to, to get to that point. Mark Pelios has come out and said that he's not referring it to points per game anymore. It's going to be PRS, paper, rock, scissors, because how can you finish the season on a mathematical system? There's so many past uh, moments in history where if points per game were in place at that point in time, we wouldn't get those moments. Closer to home for me, Liverpool would lose seven league titles, two European Cups. Leicester would never have won the Premier League. The Aguero goal would never have happened in the 93rd minute. So there's so many 
different moments of football history, which we just wouldn't have now if uh, football was decided by points per game. Playing purely devil's advocate with those points, obviously, during the moments that you've just raised, a very good point and, you know, that can't be denied. But also during that time, we didn't have a global pandemic. And it, it could be argued that, is it fair that the efforts of Liverpool, Leeds, West Brom, Coventry could just count for nothing? As I spoke to you off it, I'm of the opinion that the teams that are currently occupy the top places, so in the Premier League, the top top of the league, in the Championship, the top two, League One, top two, uh, League Two, top three, I believe they should all secure whatever was initially uh, agreed at the start of the season. Those places mean uh, winning the league or gaining promotion. And then we get to a point next season when effort will be played. We're currently, we don't know whether football will be allowed with fans. And we, we talked last week about the financial side and how is it even viable for, for clubs to occupy and trade next year. It, there's no income, so how can they pay anyone? It doesn't work at all, in my opinion. So we get to a point now where I believe... We have extra teams next season, and so the, there's more relegation next year. And every team goes into the season knowing what they've signed up for. They might not like it. Uh, the, the teams this season that have occupied the relegation places, they've just got lucky in my theoretical system that I've I've come up with. But I don't understand why you can punish any team at this point in the, uh, the season without playing out the four games. James, I want to bring you into this because obviously you've um, you've been doing a lot of work this season with the Coventry City media team. The club are sitting top of the table as it stands. They, you know, this um, they had a crazy record where they didn't finish in the top six of a league for so long. You know, th- this is a club that have been starved of success. Do you think that the club have earned the right to be promoted on points per game if it came down to that? Um, I think the club have earned the right. What I would say, obviously, I'm a Coventry City fan. Um, I keep up to date with a lot of the what other Coventry City fans are keeping up with. A lot of the fans of Coventry City want the season to go ahead. Um, obviously, if if they closed it now, we've won the league. That's it. But there's no party with that. There's no sort of celebration with that. And before uh, 2017, 18, we hadn't finished in the top six of any division for 50 years. Obviously, we won the playoffs, but we finished sixth. It's not really a massive achievement. This would be our first league title in in, in 50-odd years. It, it it means so much for the fans, and for that to sort of be decided in an office in London and none of the fans are allowed to go out and celebrate, a lot of our fans do feel aggrieved by that. I do think, I know we've spoken about it before, I do think that we would finish the job. I think we've been a level above every other team in the league this season. We're obviously five points clear of a game in hand currently. Um, we've got a lot of favourable home games coming up as well. I Personally, I think that the, the standard Coventry City fan does want to see the season out. However, I do have to say that we do need to come to an agreement sooner rather than later because although it's all well and good having a party and having a celebration, I mean, 
our third from last game and the game that we were expected to wrap up the league was Blackpool away on Bank Holiday weekend. So you can imagine how that would have ended up. Um, so, but at the same time, it, it's it's a small price to pay in terms of the actual state of the country. And I think we do need to be realistic. There's, there's football clubs that could really go under um, in this current climate. And just for us to have a party, I don't think that's, that's the most important thing right now. Um, I do think that we will be promoted no matter what happens, if we play on or not. I can't see us playing on, which is a bit of a shame. Um, but at the same time, it, it, it's one of those things where no one could have seen this coming. No one could have predicted the effect it would have had on the whole nation, not just football. Um, and we do need to sort of think of the wider picture Um I, I I do agree with Adam. I feel that relegation is harsh. I think clubs really um, should be picking up as much points as possible throughout the whole season. Um, I know Adam touched on the, the Tramere idea of, of making signings in January and improving the squad. And I do agree with him that that has been proven to be the case with Tramere. However, it, it's one of those things, if you leave it to chance, it, it, it's... It's a risk that that has been taken by Tramway. They haven't put all their eggs in the in August basket in terms of the transfer window, um, and it, it has. It's hard, obviously, because other clubs have gone out and spent a lot more money where they could. Um, I would, I wouldn't do relegation if I'm honest. However, I would definitely have promotion for the for the top two, like Adam said. But I can also see why we would have to do relegation and promotion. Uh, so if that is the outcome, then unfortunately, sorry, Adam, um, that's it is one of those things. Um, I would expect to see Tramir back though, if that was the case. Adam Adam Johnson, as a um, as an outsider looking in, um, how do you how do you sort of view the whole situation in the football league, especially in League One, where it's so contentious? I think it's tight all over. I mean, you look at the the bottom of the Premier League as well. It, it's all exactly the same. Where it's hard to even think about having to decide of a team that that could potentially be be relegated in those equations. And you do feel you do feel for the likes of of Tranmere and, and the same at the bottom of of League Two, where it, it could get even more complicated. With you know, do they decide to to deduct more points from from Macclesfield as well? That's still hanging. So. It is. It's it's a really really complicated situation, and I mean, you could have looked at it in another way. If 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 they were going to go down the line of maybe no relegations and just promotions, I mean, I I was someone that said that was something that they could look into doing. And but to me, it was it was harsh that you'd only have one team being promoted from the national league. They were they were going to just do it that way and have no relegations elsewhere and just promote one team from the national league. I think that would have been unfair on another side who who deserve the right to be promoted as well. But it is a hard, complicated situation. And But in every game, there, there has to be a winner and a loser. So to me, the only way that if they are going to go down the relegation line, they've got to do it consistently across the board. I think the thing that I can totally understand from a relegation perspective, and don't get me wrong, I've got not not no sympathy, but... I can't understand the arguments of, say, Southend and Bolton in League One, who were probably going to be relegated anyway. Stevenage, 
have been pretty poor this season. Uh, granted, Macclesfield are having points deductions as well, so that's a bit contentious. But for me, the top two in League One, the top three in League Two, they've earned the position that they're in with the number of games that they've played. And I think from that perspective, you should reward the 35 or however many games have been gone rather than not rewarding the final games in, in terms of the top. But I think the main gripe for, and Adam, might, Adam you might agree, but uh, the main gripe for the teams at the bottom is that the teams at the top are getting opportunity. Whereas a team like Tranmere, for example, aren't getting an opportunity to save themselves. You get four teams in the playoffs. They have an opportunity still, even though they haven't earned automatic promotion, they still have an opportunity to get promoted. Tranmere have been robbed of an opportunity to save themselves. Adam, would you agree? Yeah, totally. Even Nicola Pelios has tweeted this week. She said, teams in the playoffs have a 25% chance of promotion. A team three points adrift with a game in hand has more than a 25% chance of avoiding relegation. Points per game gives those at the top an opportunity to take that chance, but denies it to those at the bottom. And she's completely right. There's a lot of arguments to take place around this, and somebody will be disappointed. Even the Tramir fans have began a crowdfunding campaign to sue the EFL, which God knows how that'll go. But there's there's a lot of plans in place to, but we'd say plan Bs. And with Tramir, they've got to be very realistic, and I think they are as a football club, that they find themselves in a in very unfortunate position. And judging the way, the, the vibe from the EFL, I, I do think they will get relegated. I think not just the EFL, but the its members, the clubs, I, I think by the sounds of it, the voting will sway in favour of relegating them. There's no agenda there. That's just how it works. Um, and that's football at the end of the day. I saw, we saw earlier in the week, didn't we, Cal, where we're muddling the statements and how they worded it. And I said to you, all football fans want is transparency. And that statement, although they are able to, to clutch on to what they've said there, it's not the case. You're voting the way you're voting because it means you won't get relegated. And of course, they'll never come out and say that, but that's the truth. So don't try and paint it to be something it's not when that's, that is the case. And I think... Like, like we've seen in, in government and football, all people want in the world is transparency. And I think in football, there's, especially with the, the boardroom politics, we, we get less and less of that as the years go on. Why, why do you think people aren't being honest in, in terms of their own self-interest? Because, you know, I, I listened to Darren McAntony's podcast the other day. Obviously, Darren McAntony has been um, very, very vocal on this situation. And... I'm inclined to agree with him in some respects that it's it, it, it's robbing an opportunity for Peterborough to compete for promotion. But I'll just you know some of the some of the quotes that he was coming out with on his, on his podcast, which I, I listened to the full thing. Um, I'm fighting for lower league football as well as Peterborough United. Nothing is further from the truth about the allegations that he wasn't looking after the best interests of all the clubs. Um, I've been fighting for all the clubs. And he goes on to say, if clubs can't afford that sort of money, I'm not sure what they're doing in competitive football. Now, for me, if he just came out and said, listen, 
I'm looking for the out for the best interests of Peterborough. We're not getting a chance. I want us to have a crack at promotion and equally clubs at the bottom say, well, this system, we've got to look after ourselves. We're not going to get relegated if we vote to end the season and we won't lose 500 grand trying to do it. Is there anything really wrong with the fact that it's, it is self-interest? Because I think that maybe the argument of integrity has sort of damaged the campaign a little bit. I think it, it, it smacks of sort of, well, it's all right for us. Why is it not all right for you? Peterborough side that have sort of, they've gone between, uh, they've had season of the championship. Uh, Dara McAntony is a, a very rich man. Barry Fry backs the club and there's other backers to Peterborough United. It, it's not just one man kind of man in the thing. It's a lot of money is going into that club. Um, as Adam touched on earlier with the Barrow situation, Barrow could be looking at £1 million coming up from League Two, up to League Two. And that is, for the Barrow AFC, that is a, a life-changing sum of money. The, the, that's the disparity between them two clubs. Peterborough, obviously, okay, yeah, they've, they've, they've been in the championship. They've earned that money. They've, they've received that money through backers. Sunderland have been on, we're in League One on parachute payments. They'll have received 30 million plus from that. Uh, there is a disparity in what clubs can afford. And okay, Peterborough do want a chance to get promotion, but is one season fighting for promotion for a team like Peterborough who have the money to go at it again next season, despite the players they may lose, is that worth risking three or four clubs at the other end of the league going out of business? And the the obvious answer is no, no, it isn't. Accrington, Rochdale, um, Southend, Burton... All of those clubs don't deserve to go out of business just because one team wants to have a try at promotion, which they will get another chance at next season and the season after and the season after that. Because if we're honest, Peterborough uh, were last in the championship, what, six, seven years ago? They've had six or seven years. If they wanted to go up in them six, seven years, they, they could have gone up in them seasons. Don't turn a season where they're eighth with eight games to go into their chance of going up. Um, just because it's been ended early, I think uh, it's it smacks of arrogance from McAntony, unfortunately. Um, and I, I feel that he, he's, he's used the situation uh, to, to claim that his club have been robbed. And unfortunately, it, it's not the case. Um, that the, there's, the teams that are above his side are there on merit. And unfortunately, again, if he's not there, he can't just kick the spit the dummy out and say, um, oh, other clubs shouldn't be playing competitive football if they can't afford it, because that is the sad reality for some clubs. Um, so, yeah, he's in a league. He signed a contract into playing in the, the, the third division of English football. He should be aware of the other 23 clubs that are around him. Adam... Johnson, as an out, as an outsider looking in again, um, and you've you've obviously you and the rest of the Barrow fans have had a pretty agonising wait now to to find out what has happened. What is what has been your overall thoughts on the handling of the whole situation? I think it's just dragged on too much. I, th- I think everybody it, th- there was a point where everyone was waiting for for somebody else to to make the decision. The National League were waiting for for League Two, they were waiting for League One, they were waiting for the championship and and ultimately the final part of it is everybody's waiting for the for the Premier League to decide what to do. I think 
I think if if there'd have been one thing right at the start of it, where the Premier League members of the board of the Premier League, members of the board of all the EFL clubs got together and just said, right, this is how we're going to do it. This is our framework from top to bottom. I think it'd have gone a whole lot quicker and and everyone will have known then. Everyone will have had an idea what they were doing. I think it's dragged on that long now that that everybody's getting sick of it in a way as well. And the, the challenges that are going to come from it now, simply because nobody was able to make that decision straight away. The EFL waited for the League Two clubs to do their vote. League Two clubs aren't going to vote for relegation. Turkeys don't vote for Christmas, do they? So it was always going to be a case that the League Two clubs were going to say, we want to promote everyone, but we don't want to relegate anyone. And it's taken so long for the EFL to suddenly come out and just say, right, no, we've got fed up of waiting now. This is how it's going to be and, and this is what you're voting on. And I think surely that could have been done a lot earlier and then teams, clubs would have known straight away what the, what they were up against. Clubs would have known you know what to budget on what could 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 they manage to to get the season back on again it's dragged on that long now that as i say people have just got got bored of it and you've got clubs now that have they've gone their own way and said well we want it done this way now adam uh, adam doyle do you think no matter what happens now whether it's points per game or whether it's forced to play on the integrity of the competition is now done because i'm looking at Accrington Stanley, for example, Andy Holt has been very, very vocal on Twitter. He has said, essentially, that if Accrington are forced to play on, they won't be taking their staff off furlough. They'll be playing a youth team or they'll be forfeiting games. I've looked at Accrington's remaining games. They've got to play Portsmouth, Doncaster, Coventry, Sunderland, Fleetwood, Sunderland and Wickham. All teams that are fighting for promotion, all teams that you would think, if they're playing a youth team or if they're forfeiting games, will just have three points handed to them. Do you think... No matter what happens now, it could be argued that there is no integrity left in this season. Well, as you touched on last week, the integrity was gone when the event that happened with, with Barry and Bolton at the start of the season. And we get to a point now where football, will it come back? Won't it come back? The Financially, next season, will we even be able to play football in, in the leagues? So you talk about integrity and no, integrity wasn't there from day one in the EFL, especially League One. And it's a sad state of affairs when we see in Germany, their equivalent of League One is able to, to come back on May 30th with help of, of their top clubs. And our top clubs are staying very quiet throughout the whole situation. James, I'll give, I'll give the last word to you. What do you think should happen now? Do you think they should end it on points per game or do you think they should play on? Uh, I personally think that the ending should be made on points per game. I think that it's quite clear that it's not going to be a, a fair sort of outcome for anyone. I personally wouldn't, as Adam said, I, I wouldn't have relegation, but that opens a huge can of worms in terms of whether Leeds and West Brom get promoted and how they how they manage to work out next season. Um, but it is the fairest way. I mean, it's quite clear that we cannot play on the season. I don't know if anyone's seen in the week, but Fleetwood and Bristol Rovers have both ripped up their pitch. Um, so that won't be having football won't be having football played on it for the next four weeks. Um I, I think some teams are resigned to the fact that it may 
be over now. It, it, it just, there's so many logistical issues with playing behind closed doors um, and financial issues, as we touched on last week, that can be sort of, that, that will be sort of hit. And I, I think there's teams such as Burton, for example, whose managers had to walk out without a payoff because they can't afford to keep him. How is it fair to play on in that sort of, it, it just isn't going to work. So personally, I think the season's over. The fairest way to do it is on points per game. I think the top two should definitely be promoted. Um, I mean, an idea that I think we touched on off air, I'm not sure if we touched on it on air at all, is with the relegation playoff for for the best sort of relegated team against the best sort of non-promoted team is an idea that that could work, but it's it's, it's hard to please everyone. I think people are going to feel aggrieved. But I think the the one thing that is for sure is we're definitely not going to see an end to this season. Well, that was a really interesting discussion, but I'm afraid that that is all we have got time for. Thank you so much to Adam Johnson for joining us today. And as ever for you for listening at home, we'll be back next week. But in the meantime, keep your eyes peeled for our latest championship pod. Thank you for listening and we'll see you next week.